no book. No Scotty, no Pippen, no Michael, no Jordan, no book. No book. No book. Only real shit in my town. Not a fake niggas ain't round. No book. Hi, this is Chuck Sworsky, and you're listening to No Bull AUK, Chicago Bulls podcast. What is happening, people? Welcome to another episode of No Bull AUK, Chicago Bulls podcast with me, Jimmy, from UK Chicago Bulls. I say this every week, but I am so excited for this week's guest. If you're watching live on YouTube, you can see who it is. If you've seen the socials, you'll know who it is. It's someone I am a huge, huge fan of, and I'm not just saying it because he sat there. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm actually quite nervous for this one. I don't normally get nervous when I do this, but I'm such a big fan of his. So, yeah, without further ado, it's the voice of the Bulls and every other sports team in Chicago, <laughs> Tim Sinclair. How are you doing, Tim? Thank you so much for coming on. I am fantastic. I don't deserve most of that introduction, but uh, thank you for having me on. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I, I, I've got an apology to make because uh, not to you. My guest last week was a guy called Ozzy, a Bulls fan. Uh, he's a British guy living in Chicago. And I said a few times that he was the first person to come up to me when I was in Chicago last December, uh, who I'd never met before and recognized me from social media. And it was at half time of the Bulls uh, Wizards game, which was my first ever Bulls game. And he came up to me at half time and said, Oh, you're Jimmy who runs the UK stuff. And then I remembered actually the first person that came up to me and recognized me from my social media was you before the Wizards game. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad. I literally had walked out to the court, was checking my phone, and uh, lots of the Bulls community uh, was, was talking about you being in town. And I literally looked up and saw you about four sections down. I went, I've got a few minutes. I should go say hello. And so I did. It was, it was so bizarre. I was there with another Bulls fan, Luke. Shout out Cool Hand Luke, who got me into the arena a bit earlier with his American Express card. And sort of we were looking for the players and stuff. And then I think I got a tap on the shoulder and I turned around and it was you. And I was a bit taken back by it because I certainly <laughs> didn't expect you to know who the hell I was. Um, so, yeah, that thanks for doing that because that was awesome. Like, that's something you didn't have to do. So uh, that certainly made me feel very welcome very soon on getting into the United Centre. So... Well, good. That was the goal. And uh, it was my pleasure. I'm so glad we got a chance to meet and uh, now get to do stuff like this. Me too. And also, I do owe you an apology. And I know you said at the time it didn't matter, but we were talking and I happened to have that jersey behind me, the Alex Caruso jersey, which I was wearing. And everyone that knows me knows how big a, of an Alex Caruso fan I am. And I, I almost cut you off because Alex Caruso <laughs> was walking back to the tunnel and I was so desperate to get my jersey signed. And I was like, Tim, I'm so sorry. I've got to go and get Alex Caruso's signature. So <laughs> I know I apologise at the time, but I, I, I genuinely felt bad afterwards. Luke sort of look, said to me, look, I think Tim understands, but I, I felt... It really wouldn't have rude. bothered me regardless, but, <laughs> but I definitely know where I stand in the pecking order. <laughs> and uh, I am not anywhere near uh, Caruso. So I'm glad you got over there and got a chance to say, hey, and uh, we can catch up like this now. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Apologies again. But yeah, I did get it signed. So it was kind of worth it, even if I did feel rude uh, afterwards. <laughs> um, Tim, I, there's so much I want to touch on. I mean, I'm conscious of your time, but you are the, the voice of the balls. And so many people say when they're talking about you, you're, you're the best that's done it since Ray Clay. And Ray Clay was obviously super iconic because he did it through all the Jordan years, etc. And of course, Tommy Edwards was the other one who, I think he was there before Ray Clay, wasn't he? And then again afterwards. And after, well. yep. I'm going to put it out there, and, and, and this might upset some people, but for me personally, I'm putting you up there with Ray Clay. I don't think it's Ray Clay's by far the best. And then... I'm not, and it may sound like I'm blowing smoke. I'm really not. I'm not that type of person. I am, I think you do that good a job. And you, you had me in tears. And I'd said to you, you were going to at the United Center. <laughs> you did. You, you said you're going to cry. You were right. As soon as you started with it. And now I was holding it together through the intro. And then when you come in with the and now, that was it. I, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I, I got emotional. And, uh, I, I just, maybe that's part of it. And it's a bit of that recency bias for me, but I can't tell you how much I admire. I sit and I listen to you in the middle of the night here, <laughs> 3,933 miles, I think away from the United center. My house is, I've done it on Google maps. It's <laughs> impressive. And, um, to hear that live, honestly, I, I can't tell you what it meant to me as a, as a Bulls fan for so long. It was, how I think you were on a podcast. I think it was with the CHGO guys, perhaps with uh, Matt Peck and Big Dave, mm -hmm. and you kind of said it's something you didn't really practice. It just sort of happened for you. Yeah, I think you know the interesting thing about this job in particular is that the introductions are so famous, and people know them so well and are so attached to whether it was Ray or Tommy that um it's hard to de deviate too much from what they've done without just causing absolute panic um but i also have always been one who's going to be authentically and truly myself and i don't want to pretend to be somebody else i they, they didn't hire me to to copy or to mimic um what, what somebody else i'm not an impressionist that's that's not my job and so for me, it was this melding of paying homage to history and doing it the way I would do it. And so the very first time I ever even tried the introductions was in a Disney World hotel room when I was working the NBA bubble in 2020, and they asked me to audition. And I just did it the way I remembered it combined with what I felt comfortable with. And that's kind of what, what came out is it's very similar to, to what you hear in the arena today. Now the individual players, you know, they had me doing a lineup from three or four years prior to that. And so none of those players are still with the team. Um, so the players now just kind of develop their own identity and I don't practice them. I don't, when we get a new player, I'm not in my head going, okay, I could do this, or I could do this, or I could do that. I just want it to be natural. And then 
it'll start to take on a life of its own. So DeMar DeRozan, you know, used to just be DeMar DeRozan. I almost can't do it the way I do it now. Um, it's, it's weird to do it any other way. But over time, with exciting shots and with crowd reaction, it becomes DeMar DeRozan. It just – and then, uh, then it is. Then it's a thing. Uh, Io was the same way. Although I started with him at the University of Illinois. So of course, you yes. could just be Io DeSumo and whatever. And then he had a big dunk or a dagger shot to win a game. The crowd goes crazy. And I'm like, Io! <laughs> and then, then that's what sticks. And then all of a sudden, that's what you're doing variations on every time. And so I, I try to be myself. I try to be genuine. I think people know when you're faking it um or are overly rehearsed and you know i i think so far so good um we, absolutely gotten, uh, yeah i don't think anyone reaction, would disagree so. with that i don't think anyone <laughs> would disagree with that i i think that's amazing i mean i i listened to shout out your podcast as well you got a podcast platform called stump and i listened to your episode the one that rings a bell was when you had ray clay and tommy edwards on and i think it was tommy edwards said or maybe it was ray I, I, forgive me i can't remember which one was saying right. that when they were sort of doing their um, audition, uh, they were asked sort of, especially with like Horace Grant, to emphasize more on the R of his name as opposed <laughs> to the C and et cetera. Yeah. Um, is that something that's ever happened to you? Has anybody offered sort of to give you constructive criticism, if you like? Uh, yeah, that was Ray who was telling that story. And, uh, you know, he was coming in right on the heels of of Tommy Edwards. And so the, the people in charge at the time were um, micromanaging that perhaps a little bit. <laughs> I thankfully uh, have have never been given any notes on how to say certain things. Uh, the only exception, the from Chicago thing with both Io and now with Patrick Beverly, I did not make the unilateral decision on what to do and for who. That's such a personal thing to the players and such a big thing for Derek the, Rose. Yeah, because of Derek and because of what it means to the city and to the Bulls, I'm like, I need to ask some questions before we launch into that and so um i've definitely asked on a couple of occasions kind of how a player or the team or pr would prefer something but in terms of style um i thankfully have been uh, granted permission to uh, do things as i see fit that that's brilliant that is it's that like you said that does make it so authentic to you nobody's sort of interfering with that side and yeah, I mean, obviously the from Chicago thing since Derek Rose first come about with Io when Io was made it into the starting lineup, and obviously I don't need to tell you how passionate Bulls fans are in general, but especially when it comes to Derek Rose. And I know a few people didn't like the from Chicago with Io initially. That's Derek Rose's thing. That's, and I kind of get where they're coming from, but he is from Chicago. He played in Chicago with his college. I, I, I love it personally. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, and Pat Bev as well. I, I just think you embrace it, right? It's, a, it's with the Chicago ball. I, I understand people's frustration to a certain extent, but I, yeah, I think you've got to embrace it. And I, I think it's awesome myself. 
Well, and you know, I, I, I hate to say it this way, but, but Derek Rose wasn't yesterday. Like no, it's I'm... been a while and, and it was short lived. And I understand why people would want to make it his and only his thing. But also I think the majority of people like the story of local kid made good. Um, and you know, they remember watching IO or Patrick playing at the high school level and working their way through city leagues and um, especially Io then going to play at the University of Illinois. He was not far from home. The family is still there. Friends are still there. And I still think that, you know, when Io was in the starting lineup, the biggest ovation of the night is when I say from Chicago, it yeah. is in that stretch about as loud as it gets when, when that happens. And because people like that, type of a story. So um, I, I understand the nostalgia of it all. I mean, we still use from North Carolina with Kobe White Kobe, when he starts. And, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. yeah. So I, and I get it. But also, I mean, it's been a while since MJ was uh, in a Bulls uniform. And um, it's not the same level of excitement. <laughs> but he is from North Carolina. And um, so what are you gonna do? It still sounds awesome. Speaking of MJ as well, of course, you got to announce Michael Jordan at All-Star. That was the All-Star 75th anniversary, wasn't it? I I know you've touched on it. I think you were on the Stacey King podcast recently, which I also listened to, and uh, I think you touched on it then, but that was quite a surreal moment for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean... That whole thing was certainly a career highlight. I I don't see that moving out of my top five anytime in, in the near future. Uh, a lot of people didn't know he was going to be there. And we knew he was likely to be there, uh, but he was coming from Daytona. He'd been at the race earlier that day and flew in about 20 minutes before. And so we all oh, found wow. out over the headset that he he had made it. So that's why it was such a surprise. No one saw him pregame. No one saw him sitting courtside. I mean, it wasn't, it was very, very hush hush. And then of course he was last. And um, I, I've said this before publicly. I, I think I did as flawless a, a performance as I could do for 74 and a half names. And on the second half of, of Michael Jordan, part of it was emotion part of it was the noise in the room and the realization of sort of what was happening it was fine I don't think too many people would notice but I I go man I just kind of caved at that last second to a little bit of a moment because I try to separate myself from that as long as I possibly can but it was kind of impossible to ignore in that moment well I don't think many noticed, and if they did, you can certainly be forgiven for that. I mean, <laughs> I would you. have even got the Michael out. So, uh, yeah, I would have been in all sorts of bits just thinking about the sort of pressure yeah. of announcing such a big name, the the greatest of all time, in my opinion. Another thing I wanted to speak, well, first, while we're on the All-Star subject, you've done three All-Star weekends now. I know you didn't do the game uh, this season, the most recent one in Utah. But you did the All Star Saturday and, and etc., which again, like, I, I, is awesome. And and that's not by luck. You don't get those call ups by luck. It was interesting to me that obviously you did the All Star event in Chicago before you were the Bulls announcer. And I know you touched on it, saying that kind of 
wasn't an audition, but you kind of treated it almost like one because you were with the Indiana Pacers at the time, yeah. I believe. So was the Bulls job, without disrespecting the Indiana Pacers, of course, was the Bulls job on your mind? Obviously, you've got the, you know, it, it's the dream job for you, obviously. But was that on your mind at the time when, when it was All-Star in Chicago? So I'll try not to take too long to tell the story, but in the fall of 2019, so four months or so before that all-star game, I, I found out that the Bears job was coming open, that Jim Reband, who'd been doing it for like 38 years, was was resigning. And I thought, that's a job that I have time for. Like, I can fit eight to ten games into my schedule every year. I'd love to do an NFL team didn't necessarily think I'd get it, but I, I wanted to at least apply. So, so I did not very long after Tommy Edwards announced that he was retiring and going to move to California to be closer to family. And I saw that post and I was like, man, that is the job, but I just got to Indiana. Like I've been there for a year, exactly one year. And so in my mind, I said, I'm not going to inquire. I'm not going to send anything about it. I'm, I've got my NBA job. I'm with the Pacers. And then somebody from within the organization reached out, not directly with the Bulls, but, but kind of, and said, hey, I think you'd be great. Are you interested? And I said, no. I, and for all the reasons I just explained. Sure. Well, then, not very long later, I went, you know, I, I had been doing the Chicago Fire, so that was already pro soccer in the city. I was at least in the application process with the Bears. And so I, I messaged back. I said, look, no disrespect to the Bulls. I would love the job, but I will only be interested if I also get the Bears job. Um. That to me was a good enough excuse to give the Pacers as to why I was leaving after a year or a year and a half or, or whatever. Um, they'd given me my first opportunity in the NBA. I, I, I felt like I owed them. I, I was planning to be there forever. Course, and yeah. so uh, everybody took that really well. I wasn't trying to strong arm anyone or be rude or uh, have an ego. I was just trying to say, this is what it would take for me to leave Indiana. Sure. And, uh, you know, so now fast forward four months to the All-Star game. I had met with the Bulls at that point. I hadn't yet met with the Bears. I, I didn't know anything about it uh, other than I had applied and they were in the process. And so I, I kind of did feel like maybe this was an audition on the stage of uh, – of Chicago and a national spotlight. And it was the next week that the bears reached out and said, Hey, um, would you come in? We'd like to talk to you. And so that process happened first. They offered me the job when I was in the bubble. So that summer. Wow. And then the bulls had waited. They were willing to wait and found out I got the bears job and said, are you still interested in, in our job? And I said, at that point, I said, yes, and um, so they, they, that's why I, my first audition, the first time I ever did the lineups 
what's in a Disney hotel room is because that's when all that happened. Of course. Um, and, and I auditioned there and, and the rest is history. So I know that's a very long answer to a short question, but uh, it was a, a very weird year. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You, of course, in the bubble, I, th I believe there was only four uh, public address announcers that actually went to the bubble and you were one of four, Correct. right? Yes. So ag yeah. again, that doesn't happen by luck, man. I mean, yeah, that, that says a lot about just how good you are at what you do. And the fact that you did get the Bears job and uh, the Chicago Fire, I didn't actually realize you did that first. I, I didn't realize that. Yeah, this is my 10th season. I just started my 10th oh, season. Oh, wow. Are you a big fo soccer football to my UK followers? Are you, you're obviously yeah. a big, I entered obviously a both. big football fan, yeah? Uh, yeah, I, I wasn't going in and I actually thought that was going to cost me the job. Like, I knew I could do the mechanics of what it took to to be a PA guy for soccer or football. Um, but I thought they were going to ask me some high level soccer questions and I was going to be like, <laughs> but I, I've grown to love it. Uh, I understand why it's called the beautiful game. I understand why the world sees it as such a. I mean, it's the preeminent sport around the world. And so I, I understand those things now. And 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 quite honestly, um, a lot of my top memories and moments in sport so far have been uh, calling soccer, whether it's Lionel Messi or Real Madrid or uh, Bayern Munich. I've, I've done almost all of them. Uh, the U.S. men's national wow. team, uh, you know, all of them. So uh I really do enjoy it, and uh, it's been the one I've been, at least at the professional level, doing the longest. Wow, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Of course, you, we touched on earlier, you, you you do the announcing for Illinois as well, uh, the college level. So it's you're a busy, busy man, Tim. <laughs> this time of year, I definitely am. Yeah, when you've got three seasons kind of overlapping each other, it does get a little dicey sometimes. Yeah, I can only imagine. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to touch on again was I remember this I believe I was watching this game. I don't watch all the games live because they're on at stupid o'clock in the morning yes. over here, the majority of them. Um, and I, I believe I was watching this game live and they had issues with the clocks, the, the shot clocks yeah. and the game clocks. Everything was just sort of packed up. So as if your job wasn't hard enough anyway, especially with basketball, because it is such a, a fast paced game compared to football, soccer or whatever else. They then asked you to announce, <laughs> I believe it was like when there was 10 seconds left or 15 seconds left, 10 seconds left, five seconds left, and then a countdown from three on every possession that went that low on the shot clock, plus each quarter counting down the minutes and seconds. How? <laughs> How do you do that? Well, um, nothing ever prepares you for that. Uh, we found out about, as I recall, somewhere in 30 minutes, 45 minutes before the game, that there was uh, one of the light bars was out, went out on one of the clocks, which meant like eights would look like sixes and nines would oh. look like fives because that one bar was out and it changed what the numbers looked like. And, and to fix it, you have to bring the whole thing down. It takes some time to fix and then put the whole thing back up and, and warmups had started. And so there was not time. They couldn't clear the floor to bring that down, to fix it, to put it back up. And so they knew kind of early uh, the, the shot clocks weren't going to be a thing for that game. And so NBA rules say you have to put a shot clock, on the floor in opposite corners so that 
players have something to look at. But the other thing that the rules allow coaches to decide on is having the PA guy kind of help because players are so used to looking at the basket. And if they have to look away from the rim to find the shot clock, that's, that's really hard for them. And so yes. they came up to me and were like, Hey, are, are you willing and able to do this? And I mean, what am I going to tell the NBA? No, I'm not interested. So I, I just said, sure. And it was when the shot clock got to 10, I would have to say 10 and then five, four, three, two, one, all the way down. And then at the quarter, same thing, 10 seconds remaining and five to zero. And it was the entire game. Like I, I've heard of times when that's had to happen for a few minutes and I've had it happen when the score, the scoreboard isn't working. And I've had to announce the score every time someone scores for a short period of time. But the shot clock was hard because one, I'm doing something else. And two, there's no shot clock for me to look at either other than the ones in the corners. And, you know, there are players and officials and coaches and all sorts of things standing in the way of being able to see that. So um, it went literally as well as it could possibly go, but it was, it was an interesting game for sure. And I have heard a lot about it since. Yeah, I can imagine because on top of doing that, of course, you're still trying to see what players are, are scoring the basket and, and and fouls, of course, and you've got to announce the foul, what the foul was given for or whether it was a traveling violation, <laughs> or et cetera, et cetera. So you're doing that on top of that. So, yeah, kudos to you. Like I, I, I'd imagine with your job, I mean, I don't know, you come across as you enjoy it and probably when the game finishes, most of the games, you kind of don't want them to finish, I guess. But I would imagine... That one particular night, you were quite relieved to see the end to hear the end of that game. <laughs> yeah, it's um, some some games you are more emotionally or mentally exhausted than others, and that's just a mental tired kind of game. Football is that way. American football because there's so much happening and there's so much you got to concentrate on that you're you're mentally tired or exhausted at the end. And and that was a basketball game where I felt much the same way. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, you you did incredible again. So oh, thank you. Fair play to you. I, I wanted to. I, I think I said uh, before we started recording. I wasn't following you on Instagram, which apologies for that. I am now, and I was scrolling through last night, and uh, you do some really hilarious videos, which I didn't know was a thing you did. So, if anybody isn't following Tim on Instagram, get on there and do that, and just scroll through. And I, I come across something else, uh, which was obviously during lockdown a video you did with your wife <laughs> actually i know which one you're talking about um <laughs> it was we were talking we were talking about the concept of working with your wife this is just a friend of mine who happens to be a great singer so i'm single she's not my wife to be clear so that's not your no, wife but she's a great oh. singer and so we uh, and she recorded her part in florida and I recorded my part in Illinois, and then I, I merged the two together. So, no, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, your wife has an incredible voice. Well, she, that was going to be her my name next is thing. Elizabeth, and she has a phenomenal voice, uh, and she's fantastic. Right. But uh, her husband is Brady, and he's a great guy, too. Oh, wow. Okay, I wasn't expecting that answer. <laughs> so, uh, I probably should have looked more into your family all right. as well, and then I might have realized. So, apolo apologies no to, to everybody involved. But, 
that was a hilarious video. I, I was, it was one of those. I just couldn't stop watching it until the end. <laughs> it was from, it was a dirty dancing. Yeah. It was dirty dancing, isn't it? Yeah. I've had the time of my life. Uh, I'm working with my wife. So go and check that out. You'll, you'll find, I think it's on Instagram, but you'll, you'll find it. And it, yeah, it was hilarious. And you did one, uh, I believe it was in a hotel room with the bubble as well. Yes. Uh, and my, my whole goal in, the... because the world stopped during quarantine, right? And so for four months, I didn't have anything to do. There were no sports. I had been doing TV at the time and they were making us stay home largely. And so I went, I'm going to try to figure out what to do with my time. And so my goal was to learn how to edit video. I wanted to be able to edit video and, and put things together. I, I've been doing it with audio forever. And for whatever reason, I thought parody videos uh, would be a fun way to learn and so I was writing these parody songs and shooting the videos and trying to figure out how to edit them. And um, that's kind of what what birthed all of that. And um, uh, it was a very silly time in life. <laughs> well, it put, it put a smile to my face. Good. I thought they were very entertaining. So, yeah, obviously, this the season for the Bulls this season isn't what most of us were expecting it to be. Complete polar opposites to last season with regards to last season, we were beating the bad teams i say in inverted commas because we're in the nba i don't think there is a such thing as a bad team and losing to the good teams this season seems to be the complete opposite to that <laughs> there's so much that's complete flip side i mean we were talking pre-all-star break last year you know the bulls were the second seed i think we've been the first seed of the east this is for like two-thirds of the season and we go into all-star break what 10th or 11th seed i think it was the 11th seed and I read something today on Twitter, which just proves how polar opposite to last season this season has been so far. So our record last season at this stage was 36 wins and 29 losses. And right now we are 29 wins and 36 losses. Yeah. You couldn't write it on how much of a flip it's been. Obviously you're a fan, right? You, you're doing that job. You've got to be a fan, and naturally, and I think that comes across as well. Leading up to All Star break, I was—I'm quite a positive person. I always look for the positive in it, no matter how bad things are. Those five games leading up to All Star, I was quite deflated. I was making jokes about the tank, etc. How is it for you in the arena, still trying to do your job when Bulls fans are noticeably down, because? nobody believes we should be have this record and we're losing games we probably shouldn't be losing do you struggle with that or is you just in the zone doing your job and it's an arena full of fans how can you not i guess but does it ever affect you i guess is what i'm getting at sort of even the bad games when we're losing yeah i, I always joke you know my job is never bad it's <laughs> always great but it's always greater when you win there's always an added level of excitement uh, but it's funny you mentioned this today because I was talking with Mark Boyle, who's the radio play-by-play -play guy for the Indiana Pacers last night. Whenever the, whenever the Pacers come to town, I can see all you know all the people that I, I hung out with for a few years in Indy. Of course. And so Mark and I were standing there talking about this very thing, and and he goes, you know, I always say that my enjoyment of my job would not change if we went zero and eighty-two versus eighty-two and zero. And I feel the same way. Like, I I feel like I'm the luckiest guy on the planet uh, to get, you know, front row center court seats to every Bulls home game. 
press box seats to every Bears game and fire game. And, you know, the the experience I have at my job can't be beat. I do like to win. I'm a fan. I would prefer to go 82-0 and over 0-82, obviously. <laughs> but I also realize how special it is just to get to do what I do. And so the enjoyment never goes, never goes away, regardless of record, regardless of which team it is. I'd love to go to the finals. I'd love to get a ring and, you know, be there on the court when they um, hoist the trophy. Uh, But, but also like most people don't get to do that. Um, You know, that that's a very fleeting thing. Just ask, Charles Barkley or any other number of people who played their entire career and, and never, never got there. So uh, do I want them to win? Do I want them to play well? Absolutely. Um, am I frustrated when, you know, other Bulls fans are frustrated? Yeah, probably. But does it impact my enjoyment of the job? Nah, I, I love going every single day. I will be there early they're earlier than I have to be every single day, just because I like it. And I happen to get paid to do it, which makes it even better. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it, it's hard to go, man, this stinks. <laughs> like, yes, I want to go to the playoffs. Yes, I want to go to the finals. But I get to go to United Center every day. Yeah, well, you couldn't have put that any better. I I miss the place like crazy. I've only been to Chicago once, which was, of course, last December. Went to three Bulls games, and I would go back tomorrow, not even just to the Bulls game. The city is just incredible. The people were, were so awesome to me personally as well. I Yeah, I can't speak highly enough about Chicago as a place. And I got very emotional leaving the United hmm. Center for that final time, which was sadly a loss against the Knicks. Boo, the Knicks. <gasps> But yeah, I did. I I cry. I actually got upset and cried when I left. Had to leave the United Centre. As sad as that may sound for some, because I don't know when I'm getting back. I will be back at some point, but I've got a lot going on at home, and you know it wasn't cheap that trip to do. So um, although the balls looked after me very well, shout those guys out. It still put a big dent in the bank balance. So. Uh, I will be back. I'm just not sure when yet. And I think I knew that leaving and I, I really struggled to leave the United Centre that, that final night. Um, yeah, it was tough, but I'll, I'll get back sometime for sure. It is a, it's a special place. And, and honestly, you know, stories like yours for me help make each time I go more special. And the reason is like, and I tell my kids this, like my boys have gone to more NBA games in a week than I went to my entire life until I started started working in the NBA. Um, Most people don't go every game. Most people don't go more than once or twice a year. Some people go once or twice in their lifetime and, and that's their memory. And so for me, like when when those lights go down and the bulls start running through the streets of Chicago and then the serious music starts, like I never want to be on an autopilot because probably a majority of the stadium, this is their shot. You know, they've got their cameras up. They've got um, their their friends or family nearby. They've got maybe tears in their eyes like you did. And this is their chance to hear it. And the last thing I want to do is half-assed my way through it the one time they get to hear it that that's that's not going to happen at least for me so 
stories like yours, it is special to be there, whether you get to go every game or you get to go once in your life. Um, and, and from my perspective, that makes my job more fun, more special, more uh, pressure packed even um, to go, this is your shot. You better do it right. You better put everything you got into it. And, um, you know, hopefully that comes across. I'm sure it's not perfect every time, but we try to make it close. Oh, well, it definitely was the three times I was there. And certainly when I'm listening all the way across the pond on, on telly as well. Um, that's very Mission much accomplished. very much the Kobe Bryant mentality as well. I remember one of Kobe's quotes when they asked why, you, or I think it was when his wife Vanessa asked why he played through so many injuries. And his response was because some of the people at those games have it's the only time they'll ever get to see him play and and yeah that that you saying that very much reminded me of, of, of the mamba mentality should we say uh which is it's awesome that you know you don't take it for granted and i think you can tell that as well um yeah you, you put on a show every night so yeah well yeah i can't i can't speak highly enough of you so um i well, and to be clear, I did real quick on that. Like for me, it's not because, hey, this is everybody's chance to hear me like it would be for Kobe or LeBron or Michael. Like I, I am in no way the show or why people go to a game. However, I am part of that experience of getting into game time. And so um, I, I don't say that from a point of ego. I say it from a point of, I want to make sure that that experience is as perfect for them as it can be. And then the game itself, the Zacks and DeMars and, you know, whoever else happens to be in town, you know, they can, they can do their thing once we're done. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I don't think, I didn't, don't think anyone would have, would have thought you meant it like that in any way. Uh, but you are part of the experience. You are a big part of, you know, like I said, you, you were the one that made me cry because it is so the and now it's just so iconic with the balls anyway. So, yeah, you are absolutely a big part of that game day experience for sure. Uh, which brings me to. I, I messaged you at the time, NBA Paris. In January mm -hmm. this year, Chicago Bulls against the Detroit Pistons. It was a D Detroit Pistons home game and I saw a video leaked online and they were playing the Bulls intro. Uh, this was before the game. I think it was the morning of the game. They were doing loads of tests. And I thought, well, this, this, this is not a Bulls game. This is really bizarre. And uh, a few people sort of messaged me and said, well, because the Bulls are so iconic, especially in Paris because of the 97 trip with Michael Jordan, etc., they're going to play. I don't know if they do that on every global game. So I'm not sure they do both intros. I, I meant to look into that and I never did. And I thought, well, surely Tim has got to be there because they're doing the Bulls intro. Now, no disrespect to anybody else, but you can't have anybody else doing that unless it's <laughs> Ray Clay, Tommy Edwards, of course. But you have to be. And I think I messaged you and you were like, yeah, I'm not going. I didn't realize they were doing the intro either. And I mean this with absolutely no disrespect to the uh, Pistons PA guy, and I'm, I've forgotten his name. I'm so sorry. I know you know. But Mark Mason. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, but it just wasn't the same. And I think everyone sort of felt the same thing, and people were messaging me on Twitter saying the same thing. And again, and I mean this with no disrespect, but the way you do it, when even the in-game stuff, not just the players announcing, it kind of feels really natural. You're not screaming for the i don't know how to put it without sounding disrespectful but for me 
that was the first time I'd experienced it live, a different PA announcer compared to when I was in Chicago. And it just wasn't the same. And I, 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 I know I'm saying this and you can't say anything because it sounds so bad. It sounds so disrespectful for the guy that was doing it. But I think when you see things like that, you realize that again, without blowing smoke, we are lucky to have you do the ball stuff. And it, I say the same sort of thing when I'm watching league pass and sometimes league pass plays up and I have to watch the, mm -hmm. uh, the home, uh, commentary and I haven't got Stacey and Adam on the call and I feel the same way and I'm like I'm having to watch it for these guys because the other one's not available and it's not until you do that and you realize god we're really lucky to have these guys yourself Adam and Stacey and yeah I, I just wanted to touch on that as well because I, I was gutted that you weren't in Paris and I know you were as well but well yeah there's some things I could say about that some things I can't I, look the NBA chooses who's a home team and who's an away team uh primarily they try to make these things hurt as little as possible because you're taking a home game away from one of the teams um and so you know they chicago's gate it's the, it's the biggest arena in the country it's almost always sold out there's a lot of revenue at stake and so uh they made it a pistons home game Right. I can understand that. Totally get it. Um, and so I was all right with that, thinking it was going to be Detroit through and through. And I saw the same video you did, obviously. A few people messaged me on that. And that was a surprise. Apparently, that video was requested. And my argument was, if they can use our video or are being asked by the NBA to use our video or whatever happened, why can't they also use our audio as, as in me that was declined. Uh, I, I offered to record it and send it to them. Like, give me the starting lineups. I'll record it from home. So you just, so you can have that introduction, but um, it was a Pistons home game and they got to make the call. And so uh, they did. And, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it is what it is. I feel like for the people in Paris who largely were Bulls fans and probably wanted that experience, that was a misstep. But it's not not my decision, obviously, and uh, it is what it is. And uh, you know, I'll I'll tr I'll try to make it to the next one uh, when when the Bulls have a a home international game. Uh, based on everything else you said, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. I Every city's different. Every PA guy's different. Every fan base is different for what they like and don't like or used to. Um, I try to be, as we talked about earlier, authentically me. Um, I'm not going to be at 11 all the time. I'm not going to be hyping something that doesn't deserve to be hyped. I'm not going to try to pretend my way into making people think they should be excited when there's really no reason to be. Um, I'm going to reflect what the crowd is or should be feeling at any given moment. And, um, that looks and sounds differently at different times. And, you know, some people like it, some people don't, but, uh, I think in Chicago, it's worked really well. Yeah, I, I would agree. Definitely. I didn't mean to try and throw you under the bus, by the way, with the whole Paris thing. No, but, no, no, um, no, no, no. It was just something that I felt quite strongly about. Like you said, if, if they're going to do the intro audio, then do the, uh, sorry, the video, do the audio as well. I didn't realize you offered to even just send an audio clip. Um, yeah, that they, they missed the boat there in my opinion. Well, not just my opinion, many others opinion as well. I, I don't think it worked at all because it was something it's not. And it was, 
yeah, it it didn't sound right on on, on so many levels. But I'm I'm not trying to be disrespectful to anybody. I just yeah, if you're gonna do something, do it right. Yeah, I mean, this is the NBA we're talking about. <laughs> well, hey, I I agree. <laughs> and and you know, the NBA does such a great job with their international events and, and all their events. I, I've been fortunate to be a part of many of them. And in this case, you know, they had to turn things over to uh, Detroit since it was their home game. And so they they decided what what they wanted to do. And, uh, you know, I re absolutely respect it. If if I was in charge of an event like that in the future, I would probably do things differently. But, you know, uh, it, it's water under the bridge now. And uh I get 41 games to do that very thing at home, so uh, I'll take it. Absolutely, and we punished them on the court for it anyway, so. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Tim, thank you so, so much for joining me. I'm not going to take up any more of your time, but I, I honestly, I appreciate this so, so much. Oh, man, not a problem. I'm uh, happy to be on. Good to see your face again, and uh, hope, hopefully we'll, we'll get a chance, whether this way or, or in person, down the line to, uh, to connect again soon. Most definitely. I'll be back for sure. I don't know when, but I'll be back. And as soon as I am, uh, the whole of Chicago are going to know because I won't stop going on about it. I don't know when it will be, but I'll be back at some point. Uh, Tim, yeah. And I, I'm bound to get to the UK eventually. So. Well, if you do, you know where I am, man. Hit me up. Yep. Will do. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks again for Tim. Go and follow Tim on all the socials as well. Uh, and go scroll back on his Instagram because there's some very funny videos to watch. Enjoy the games the rest of this week. Hopefully the Bulls can find some form and get back in that playing run. Certainly last night's defeat. Yeah, big blow, big blow. But, you know, it's not over yet. There's a lot of games to play. So enjoy the games this week. And until next week, go Bulls.